Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to learn about commercial property investing and join our real estate family. We get the best people in the industry to give you straightforward and practical advice that you can actually use in your investing. And in today's episode, we are talking about industrial investing. We are chatting with Darren Smith, the principal of Solid Growth Properties. He has been investing in real estate for a long time and in industrial for the last four years. We're breaking this interview down into two episodes because he is providing a lot of really good information in the industrial asset class, as well as how to market and negotiate purchasing industrial properties. And his tips can be used for any asset class. Here we go. Darren, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited to have you because Industrial has been one of the most popular episode downloads uh, that we've had in the past. So it's a very hot topic today. But why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you? Thank you very much for having me on, Steph. Uh, You're right. Industrial has been definitely since COVID has picked up. It's been so much more popular uh, for, for good and for bad, but there's uh, you know a lot of asset classes that fall into that category. Uh, my history with real estate started back in 2003. I had just gotten out of uh, serving in the army and I was in the computer field. And one of my coworkers was a, I'll call him a small time investor. He had a couple of rentals and was doing a little bit of flips all in the city of Baltimore. And he just, after talking with him, I just got the bug. It was, I started reading all the books, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and every other one I could get my hands on and just started doing the same thing. I dove right in. I shadowed him as much as I could to try and learn from him. And it was, it was very exciting just to think, boy, you can earn money from money. And that was kind of a new experience for me. It never ceases to amaze me how many lives uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad has changed. And it's just uh, amazing. So why did you decide to focus on industrial? And while you're answering that question, tell us what is the state of that asset class today? That's a great question. Because like most investors out there, I started in the, the single family and then I've dabbled in multifamily and mobile home parks. I actually got hurt really badly in mobile home parks during the 2000s and mm. uh, last crash. I got I got hit hard. So I definitely took some lumps, you know, made some money. So I was able to kind of recover. But uh, yeah, there's I've, I've tried a lot of different things. And so the usual transition from people who are doing single family houses, you know, flipping, wholesaling, you know, uh, rentals is to go into multifamily. Maybe they get a duplex or a fourplex and then they scale up from there into larger and larger number of units. Um, I have several good friends who, who own hundreds and in some cases thousands of units now in multifamily and are, are doing it very, very successfully. Uh, what I kind of learned from watching them though was, wow, that is ultra competitive. My friends are really, really sharp people. They're working really hard. They got really creative and they put these deals together with you know, syndications on cap rates that are things that I, I would not be comfortable doing. And I'm just like, well, I, I, I don't know if I can compete in that market. I'm like, they're bottom line, they're just better than me. And I thought, what do I know from having bought hundreds of houses already? 
what do I know that maybe can help me somewhere else? And so I'm really good at, at the marketing side of it and the operations side of it. I have an amazing team of uh, four people who helped me with a lot of the stuff that I do. And so I, I took those resources and I thought, where, where can I possibly get a better return than in housing, which was getting really more and more competitive uh, and the multifamily side. And I dabbled a little bit in all the industrial, all the commercial asset classes from researching, talking with sellers. I've had offers in, I've had contracts on office, retail, you know, industrial and multifamily. But the one I ended up setting on, selling on was industrial. And the reason I liked that one was one, there were less people in it at the time. Now I've only been in industrial for about four years now, but even just in that time, I've seen it just become so much more competitive of people coming in. Now I'm, I'm not one of one or two people talking with sellers. I'm thinking a lot of times three or three or four people talking with, uh, with these sellers now. So it's gotten a little bit more competitive, but still less so than, than multifamily. Um, when you look at cap rates across the industry, especially in, in tier one cities, cap rates for multifamily, even on class B minus C assets, I'm seeing three, four or five caps on a 1980s building. You'll see a three cap. Uh, that doesn't really happen in industrial, uh, a, I'm not saying you can't find some cases, uh, you know, rare cases like an Amazon warehouse or something like that. But most of the time you're looking at at least a five cap or above and you can get really quality assets with long term top tier, maybe even national credit tenants um, in the sixes and seven caps uh, fairly easily. I mean, that's just what's listed on on the MLS or not MLS, but, you know, for for um, mm-hmm. commercial assets when they're selling. And so if you put the effort in and take the marketing and all the things that you know how to, that I know how to do from houses, and I'm sure some of your listeners might, and you get to talk with these people one-on-one, not only can you, you know, hopefully do a little bit better on the cap rate, but a lot of times I've been able to put terms together on these things by truly talking with these sellers, talking with them one-on-one and, tr- and crafting a deal that is the best fit for them because not everybody just getting, you know, every single top dollar all cash out of the property is what's best for them. Sometimes they're trying to do things for tax reasons where they can make make more and put more in their pocket by leaving money in the property. Or maybe I can pay more money for property if they leave a little bit in. So I don't do that in all cases. I, I definitely have bought properties, you know, all cash, you know, closing 30 days, those types of deals uh, if, if we can make it work. But I like to take those skills from the, the single family side and really just sit down with sellers and figure out the best way to make it work for them. And there are many ways to find properties. And we were chatting a little bit earlier that you have, you know, a different and maybe unique approach somewhat (laughs) to find industrial properties. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. And I'll preface that with nothing that I do have I come up with on my own. I'm I'm in uh, several masterminds and I, I network with other people. And I just really try and learn as much as I can. I'm, I'm always the perpetual student. All I did was I took the things that other people taught me on the single family side, and I just applied them uh, to the industrial real estate. So what I like to do is take those same things and I step them up to a higher level of quality. So if you're marketing to houses, um, maybe you'll have someone from South America doing your cold calling. Maybe you'll mail them a postcard or more kind of generic uh, you know, type things. Whenever I'm dealing with the, the commercial side, having that level of sophistication as high as you possibly can when you're interacting with these people to show that that your credibility. So for my cold caller, if you want to call them that, I have a girl here. She's in my hometown. I, I coach her. You know, we work together. She comes to my house. 
And so she's that real personal touch of somebody who knows the area, you know, can, can talk about, oh yeah, I, I know that town. I went to lunch there, you know, two weeks ago and making sure that you're at the highest level where you can have those conversations to build that rapport. For our mailers, it's the same thing. I like to target from 5,000 square feet up to 200,000. And so when you're marketing those, you run across a lot of different types of owners. You have more institutional type owners that own, you know, lots of property and maybe it's even a fund or someone who owns, you know, many businesses down to, you know, in smaller properties, it might be the only building that they own. They might've had their business in it. And so the letter that they get from me, it's thick card stock. You know, you can, you can feel the difference like a birthday sized envelope. It has a real stamp on it. It's, it's, they have uh, machines now that actually write with a real pen for the address and the return address and the letter that's inside. And so it's pretty it's, cool. <laughs> it costs more. Um, and actually I have someone put my business card with my picture in it in every envelope before we seal it up. So now when they're talking to me, they can see the person that they're talking to. And, and I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but I definitely have had people comment on it and uh, they like that they can look at the person that mailed them the letter and, and make that connection with them. Mm. So that's how I target um, and, and get people to respond to my letters when I'm when I'm mailing or get to people to actually pick up the phone and allow my assistant to, to set that next appointment. So the way that you're finding properties is only through mailers today? That is how the vast majority of the properties that I that I come across and that I'm talking with, it is, it is direct mail just, or, or direct marketing, just as I did wow. with houses. That said, I do love working with brokers. Two of my favorite long-term hold properties that I have right now were listed with a broker. As long as I can talk with the seller, because I find when I'm trying to have these conversations through my agent, through their agent, and it's these roundabouts, I, I can't really figure out what is, what is that seller? How can I best help this person? Like, what is their situation? What are they trying to do? How much money do they need for whatever they're trying to accomplish? And when I can do that, in, in both the cases I've been able to, to buy for my two favorite buy and holds that were listed with brokers, I got to sit down. I talked to my brokers. I'm like, hey, let, let's, let's just all get together and see what we can work out and, and have that conversation. You know, go grab a beer, go grab a lunch, whatever it may be. And that's how we, that's how we got it done. So I love brokers. I love paying full broker commissions. I don't begrudge them a single penny because I've made a lot more money working with brokers than I would have otherwise. So I love the job that they do, the connections they have. And if you can have a really good broker in each of the, the markets that you work in, um, you know, each city or each county, whatever that may be, there's nothing that's going to beat that. I have one example is a property that I have under contract right now, and I'm either looking to rent or sell this one. So I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit. That's one of my strategies. In this case, I, I work with the seller. I got him exactly what he needs. I got him the amount of money that he wants, but he's not in a big hurry. And I said, mm -hmm. because I'm paying a bit more for this property than I would be comfortable for like an all cash sale. Um, but we are doing all cash on this one. That is what the terms were. I said, Hey, I need a little bit more time to get this one done. And the reason that I worked that out with him and it worked for him, it worked for his timeline. He wasn't in a big hurry because he wanted to get the most money possible. I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to fix this property up. I'm going to, the landscaping was all overgrown, just need a lot of work. So I probably have about, you know, 20 to $25,000 of rehab in this property already. I don't even own it yet. I don't, I, I'm still under contract. Um, I have it listed for sale or for rent. And if, as long as I can meet one of those terms with somebody who's coming to, uh, 
you know, comes to the table and, and I, if I can get a good lease contract, I'll happily buy this property myself and lease it out and hold it. Somebody comes to the table and they say, here's an offer price. I will end up what they call novating or assigning that contract. And what that does is that allows me to make the spread between my purchase contract and then what the, the buyer ends up paying. And the seller knows this. He's happy with this. He has no problem with it because I'm the one who's putting all the effort. I'm putting in the risk of my money, my time to get that property in sellable shape. He doesn't have to worry about it. I'm actually paying him rent every month. He would be out of his rent right now if he didn't have me involved in this uh, scenario. And, and that's all on top of the purchase price. So he's getting that every month and he's really happy. He, he actually was just at the building, he emailed me today. Hey, I checked it out. Boy, it looks so much better. Um, you know, hey, thanks for taking, you know, taking care of this for me. And um, so he's happy however long that takes and, and whatever I end up doing with it. But that's why I love having a broker in every single market, because I wouldn't be comfortable putting out that kind of money and that kind of effort if I didn't know this was a good quality property. If I didn't know I had people in the area that could get that kind of work done for me. And I do. I have a great agent. This one is just outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And he said, hey, you know, Darren, we are going to get this property done. I like this one a lot. It's just going to take me a little bit more time. No problem. I understand. You know, let, let's get it done. So that's how I'm able to work out, you know, these deals to make it the best possible scenario for the seller. He wouldn't get this much money if he just listed on, you know, himself. But because I'm putting more money in the property and, and going through all that effort to make it shine, that's why I think uh, I'm, I'm going to be able to make a profit on it, whereas, whereas he wouldn't have made as much. And I know that a lot of times brokers are very protective of us speaking to the sellers directly. How do you go around that? I don't go around it. I really want to work with these brokers. And so just as if I'm talking with a seller and I always want to try and find out what are they trying to accomplish? What is, what is in the seller's best interest? How do I help them? I have that same conversation with the broker. Hey, Mr. Broker, Mrs. Broker, I bought a lot of properties. This is kind of how I work. This is what I like to do and what I like to accomplish. And what I found has been really successful in the past so that I can get you your full commission as soon as possible is if we could all just sit down and, and see if there's something that we could, we could work out. Because I don't know if I've ever had where I talked to a broker and I said, hey, can you go ask the seller if they're, if they're open to terms? Right. You know, that's a, that's a DOA conversation right there. Like, like they, it's dead. Um, because of course, what's the first thing people say is no, I want all cash top dollar. Well, sometimes they may, that property may have been sitting on the market for six months. Well, they may want all cash top dollar, but what if maybe I could come to them and say, Hey, what if I paid you top dollar, but you held a 20% second against the property after the bank. So you're going to get 70% from the bank. You're going to get 10% of my cash and you're going to hold 20% as a second. That gets you the price you're looking for. You're not you're no longer paying thousands of dollars every month against the property. You know, it's not, you know, sitting there vacant, getting more damage all the time, paying heat, you know, whatever it is. It gets them exactly what they want. But I can't have that conversation through a broker. And and that's just one example of many ways you can structure a deal. There's there's all sorts of things that you can do, but if you can't sit down and talk with the seller, there's no way you're going to figure out, you know, what works. And I have that conversation with the broker first to t explain to them how I can help them get their commission as fast as possible and their full commission, because that's what they're worried about. Are you going to go around them? Are you going to try and like bypass and cut me out somehow? And mm -hmm. I think anybody that attempts that 
is going to get blackballed so quickly. No broker is ever going to talk to him. That's a, that's a tight knit community. And not that I would do that anyway, but in my own self-interest, I want to pay that broker to get paid as much as possible because who's the person they're going to call when they get a deal the next time, when they get one, Hey, I know that guy, he closed, like he did exactly what he said he's going to do. I'm calling Darren. And so that's what I want. If your audience is out there and they're, they're thinking, man, 6% broker commission or 5% or whatever it is. I, I, you know, I can't, I can't pay that. You can't afford not to pay that is, is my answer. If, if there's a broker involved, figure out how to keep them involved and they will be your friend for many, many deals after that. 100%. We will continue this interview in the next episode. Darren's information is under show notes. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our super straightforward newsletter at monicarlorei.com on top of the page. And I will see you next time.